Welcome into the Inside Carolina podcast presented to you by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. This is the Don Callahan UNC football recruiting podcast joined by Don as always. What's going on, Don? Not too much. How you doing? I'm good. We're going to get into today's show, which is going to talk about the Miami game crowd, the impact on recruiting, and the reaction from recruits based on the Miami game last weekend. Talk a little about Wake Forest recruits that had some UNC interest, Sage Stratt, Kate Carney, some of those guys and how those recruitments went. And then we're going to dive into uh, what we did last week, which was looking at the 2012 class and revisiting those recruits. We did about half last week, so definitely check out that um, podcast. And then we're going to finish it up and wrap up 2012 this week. And the new top five for next week is going to be your top five tailgating foods. I'm sorry, the foods you eat when you're at home the things you like to cook, the things you like to enjoy eating when you're watching football in the fall. So get thinking on that and submit those to Don, um, either through Inside Carolina or through Twitter or through email. But first, we're, we're, um, we had a, a loss in the IC family with J.B. Sissel passing away over the weekend. And I didn't know J.B. that well, but Don, who has worked for Inside Carolina a lot longer than I have, you knew him pretty well. And I know you wanted to say some words. Um, you know, Obviously, sometimes better to talk about it than to kind of put something out on Twitter or on the board. So I'm going to give you the floor to talk about JB. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, really to kind of start off, you know, I, I get a lot of credit for inside, inside Carolina's coverage of recruiting, but in reality, and Ross, you know this, there is so many people behind the scenes that make this happen, and would I would not be able to do what I do um, without their help. I just happen to be the byline that shows up on the um, on the stories. And, uh, you know, JB is one of those people who you might not see a whole lot of articles with his name on it or videos with his face on it, although there were. But in reality, there was a lot of stuff behind the scenes that he did, that he helped with, that he produced. And so, um, you know, especially early on, I mean, he's got he's been part of Inside Carolina since I've been way before I've been part of Inside Carolina. Uh, Ben did a really good job of kind of summing up just some of the things that he did early on. But uh, really. you know, the whole thing, you know, on the personal side of it, um, it's, uh, it, it's difficult. It really is. Um, you know, he was, you know, and you know this, even though you don't know him too well, um, you know, always a happy guy. Uh, the thing I always remember about him is every time I saw him, he, he always had this outrageous, unbelievable, crazy story for me about something that was going on in his life or something that happened in his past. And it would just, uh, really just have me just, you know, crying from laughing and i can remember when the first time he met my my wife i i brought that up to her i kind of warned her ahead of time hey this guy's going to tell you something it's a crazy story and sure enough he had some story about his uh his job when he was in high school was to drive a school bus and not just any school bus but the school bus that actually went to his high school and so he was driving a, a school bus with his his peers his classmates in it and he you know, kind of went into detail about just some of the the, the the crazy things that you can imagine by driving a bunch of your classmates on a daily basis. Um, and that's just kind of one of the many stories that he, he would always share. But um, really the, the whole thing was, was shocking to me and, and uh, really kind of sucks. I mean, I know that's not the politically correct way to answer it or the um, professional way, but I mean, that's, that's just kind of the feeling I, I felt when I felt, found out. And even this morning kind of waking up, um, thinking about it is uh this the whole thing just really really sucks so um 
you know, he, you know, it, my, my thoughts are definitely with his, his family. For sure. Definitely a tough thing to talk about. Uh, and make sure you read Ben's little, um, I guess, note or, or uh, article on JB, but um, we will move on now. And yeah, definitely thoughts and prayers to the family, but definitely a tough situation. Um, okay. So we will talk about kind of, I mean, I think it was a very impactful thing and you wanted to bring this up at the top of the show was the reaction from recruits from Saturday night experience in Keenan stadium. And I think from a broader sense, the impact, that a crowd like that at a night game and a big win with this new coaching staff can have on recruiting. Um, you've obviously talked to a lot of players. Can you, I guess, start off? We'll go from there and kind of dive into that uh, impact from uh, from my, the Miami game. Yeah, so just to kind of go a little bit, I guess, uh, behind the scenes with um, my weekly scoop that I posted on Tuesday, my whole goal heading into that, or when I was kind of putting it together, was to find out from the recruits just what their thoughts on were on some of the the new game day changes that uh, Mac Brown had made that were geared to make everybody enjoy game day a lot more, but specifically a lot of them were, were geared for the recruits, you know, such as you know the recruits lining the um, the the tower walk and or the bell tower walk, and uh, you know the recruits coming on the sidelines or coming onto the field after the game had concluded to kind of celebrate. Uh, there's things like you know the, the bell tower lighting up after a win, um, a couple other things. But when I was talking to the recruits, the thing that I found out is they really could care less about all that stuff. And the thing that they wanted to talk about the most was just how different the fans were and how I guess supportive the fans were on you know on on Saturday. Um, everything from Elijah Burris was telling me about how um, the fans were were. Uh, chanting his name. Um, there's a couple of uh, Javari Ritzy mentioned how when they walked past the student section, the uh, you know he was he was clapping hands with a bunch of the uh, the fans, um, and just overall, just the, just hearing the fans throughout the game really made a huge impact on um, on the coaches. I mean, I'm sorry, on the recruits. So yeah, uh, for, for sure. And, I mean, that's surprising to hear a recruit like Elijah Burris there chanting his name. I mean, I don't think I, – I would definitely wouldn't recognize him. And the fact that some players – sorry, that some students and fans are chanting his name, that shows you. I mean, imagine when a big five-star visits or, or like a Des Evans guy visits, um, what that's going to be like. But I guess my question to you is – and I guess we can both dive into it – is that this is going that crowd on Saturday is going to be hard to duplicate. It yes. was it kind of everything aligned. It was a night game. It was Mac Brown's first game back. They were coming off a huge win in Charlotte against South Carolina, and uh, students, you know, are their first game as well. You as a freshman, you got to be super excited to get in the stadium. So everything aligned, and it was perfect, and they won. And um, but twelve o'clock kicks are going to happen. You're going to have twelve o'clock kicks against Mercer, and some of the big visits are at the end of the year, like against uh, in November. So. What's the key there, I think? And, and how much does, does crowds, you think, at a home game really affect recruits? Because I, I think it does have an impact, especially when you compare it to other schools. And you talk to these recruits every day. How important is that? And what can UNC do to, to maintain the, the type of crowd? Well, I'll tackle the, the importance in recruiting first. And I've been actually saying this for a very long time, is that's the one thing when I talk to recruits, and I talk to high school coaches, 
and I hear what some outside coaches are saying in North Carolina. That, well, I guess there's two things that, that are used against UNC. One is the fact that it's quote-unquote a basketball school, whether that's whether you believe that or not, whether it's true or not. That, that's not why I'm debating, but it's definitely used against UNC. The other thing is the they, they question the fan support, and some of that is proven or disproven with the game day atmospheres. And um, so for UNC fans to show out on Saturday was huge because it obviously, it, it makes some of that stuff that the fans are hearing uh, or the, the stuff that the recruits are hearing false, you know? So, um, so I, it, it definitely is huge because it is. And I know that you, we could say, okay, you're only going to deal with that six or seven Saturdays out of the year. And there's a lot more time that you're going to be on campus that you're not going to be, you're not going to be in Keene stadium with the fans in the stands. But in reality, most recruits, that's something that attracts them. They like going to Clemson and having the fans crazy. They like going to even Tennessee, which, you know, isn't doing so well, but you know, they have rabid fans. Um, I can go on and on about the different fan bases, Alabama, Auburn, um, and just how those things definitely impact recruits and obviously in, impact recruiting. It's definitely a selling point. And it's something that though it's the one thing that fans can legally contribute to the program to help with recruiting efforts. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to let you start off with what you think North Carolina needs to do to continue it. Cause what the next home game is what app state, I think it is. Um, and then you yeah, do have a big, week. yeah. And you do have a big one against Clemson. Uh, but then later on, as you mentioned, later on in the year, you have you end it or your last home game is against Mercer, Virginia, and Duke. What uh, what can what can UNC do to kind of keep this uh, this going? Yeah, I mean, it, it's something I've talked about a lot on, on various podcasts and, and tweets and stuff. And I mean, I, winning is the number one thing. You've got to have a winner. You have a good product. But I, it's more of a cultural thing with UNC, and um, it's got to be multiple, multiple years of consistent winning and making the atmosphere fun for students and fans. Um, and, you know, that involves, you know, making tailgating better, making it a fun thing to do that you want to do with your friends and your family on Saturdays. And they're now serving alcohol in the stadium. I think that's a good move. Um, big wins like Miami helps, but. It's, you've got to just change the culture and make it the place to be on Saturdays. There's nothing else when there's, you gotta make it seem like there's, there's only one place to be on Saturdays and that's inside Keene stadium. And that's going to come with winning, making it fun. If they're for students, if the girls go, the guys will come and vice versa. And, uh, and then you have to keep winning. I think UNC really failed to build off the 2015 season because that was a very, very good run. They're undefeated at home. And then 2016 wasn't as good. And then you kind of took a step back with the 17 and 18 season, you have to have consistent winning over multiple classes. And then they come back as alums and it kind of snowballs. And that's what some of these SEC schools have done with consistent winners and, and fan base. Cause I think it's really tough for UNC with the type of students they have. Um, there's a, a lack of football interest. There's a lot of other reasons we can get into, I think, um, you know, UNC has a lot of out-of-state students who don't who don't grow up as UNC football fans. A lot of in-state kids are more basketball fans than football fans. So all that kind of adds up. But if they win and it's fun, they'll show up, and that's going to help everything. It's kind of a chicken-the-egg thing 
you got to have wins, got to have recruits, but to get recruits, you got to have a, a good atmosphere. I think that's a, a big factor. Any thoughts there? Uh, no, I agree with everything you said. Uh, the one thing I'll kind of add on to that is that, you know, this, t- this day and age, it just seems like no matter what, you know, just forgetting about North Carolina, but you talk about the NFL, you talk about even schools that, that usually turn out well with their fans um, are struggling to, to sell out, struggling to get as many fans in the stands as they have in the past. And some of that is just stuff that's, you know, the, the experience at home is, is way better. I know me personally, I'm a huge, huge sports fan outside of, you know, uh, you're putting inside Carolina and uh, UNC aside. I'm a huge sports fan. I would rather on a Saturday sit at home and watch watch the games on television because one, I could watch multiple games, um, not not only throughout the day but also in the same time slot. And then two, I don't have to to um, load up my car. I don't have to worry about what the cost of things are. I don't have to pay for parking. Uh, when I'm hungry, I just go down to the, uh, to the kitchen, you know, that sort of thing. I mean, so, um, so there's a lot of other things that you're kind of battling here, but that's kind of more of a big picture nationwide sort of um, thing that everybody's, everybody's kind of fighting with. But yeah, for UNC in general, winning is definitely going to help. Um, and, and I think really just, you you have a team who who obviously is doing well two and zero, so making sure that you support it. You you you. There's no excuse now. You know you have a team who's winning, who's who's going forward. So I mean, fans need to show out. And the the, the unfortunate thing is the people who are listening to uh, this podcast are are I would assume are the ones who who are very supportive of UNC athletics, UNC football, and probably go to every game that, that they can. Um, but it's the, it's those other fans that need to make sure that they're showing up on a consistent basis, because really if, if the, at the end of the year, uh, when really that's probably going to be the big, bigger weekends for recruits with official visits and everything, these last three week last three home weekends, UNC fans need to continue the trend, uh, of Miami, of the Miami game into those three games to help UNC with, uh, with the recruiting, the recruiting efforts in those weekends. For sure. Um, the whole TV thing and watching it at home is, is a broader scheme thing. It's affecting all college football. And, and you're right. I mean, it's a, it's a better viewing experience, I think, from your couch. The atmosphere obviously is different. The environment's different, but you're in the comfort. It's not hot. You got air conditioning. You got cheaper food, f- cheaper drink. You don't have to deal with parking. You don't have to deal with carrying baby stuff and strollers and diapers and, and driving. And, and you can obviously watch two or three games and get the clicker going back and forth between games. So it, it, it's tough with today's TV. You can watch almost every game on TV in the comfort of your home. And, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to Saturday. UNC what? plays on Friday. I'm looking forward to, to being in Chapel Hill on Saturday and, and watching games without without working. So One thing, uh, I, I, one thing I will add in there, too, is that well, I guess it was last year when they put in the, the individual seats. Was it last year? Yeah. Yep. That was a huge step forward because I, one of – I know my per. I don't. I don't go to a whole lot of. Well, I haven't been to a UNC game as a fan in a very long time, so I haven't had to sit in those seats. But I know that those bleachers were so uncomfortable. You had never had enough room. I remember the one time I brought my son, who was very, very little at the time, and because he was little, the guy next to him was bigger. Would end up really sitting in his seat, even though I told the guy multiple times, "Hey, that's my son's seat." I had to switch seats with my son. <laughs> so now, though, that you have the individual seats. 
it brought down the capacity, which I think was a good thing, and but also made it a little bit more comfortable. That's the other thing. It's just so uncomfortable. Um, and as those things kind of continue to um, improve, not just UNC, but other schools with you know the seating arrangements, you know maybe they can make it so that you don't have to sit up every time someone li- further down your row wants to get up and, and uh, use the restroom. But, uh, but yeah, I think... I think we're going to see just in general a lot of these um, these stadium experiences improving because yeah, you just can't beat the experience from home, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, we, we could talk about what UNC needs to do better. I could I could do a three hour podcast on that stadium seats, the uh, seat back, the what, chair back seats was a huge step. I think parking could improve. Tailgating is awful. Uh, I think they need to improve that a lot. Opening up different roads. I think they, I know there's some safety concerns with emergency vehicles, but opening up South road and stadium drive to tailgating and letting people uh, bring in their stuff there and opening up uh, the quad would be great too. And you, you pay and reserve a, a portion of the quad. It'd be awesome there. It's underneath the trees on grass. Um, UNC has the advantage of having the, the stadium on campus, but it's also a disadvantage. NC state has, massive parking lots to tailgate in and it's an awesome atmosphere walking around tailgates at nc state whereas unc there's there's not much big spaces to tailgate bowls lot was great where we had the tailgate show on on saturday but uh, otherwise it's, it's mostly spot tailgating and it's not that big time atmosphere i think it could be if the unc administration the powers that be kind of wake up and, and realize some of the things they have. And I think parking is another issue as well. It's a, it's a unique campus in terms of parking. All right. Enough of that. Um, Question. I I didn't read too much of your scoop, Don, but any, any updates on Des Evans? Do we find out if he was there or not on uh, Saturday? He was not there on Saturday. And just so I can kind of, um, I've gotten a bunch of questions about it. One, I think people need to chill out. I mean, let's just say hypothetically, (laughs) let's just say hypothetically Des Evans choose another school, which school would it be? Which school would it really be? I mean, honestly, I mean, I, I'm, you know, it's it's a rhetorical question, but which school would it be that he's going to choose, that he's going to go to, you know? I mean, from my understanding, South Carolina is second, but they're so far behind, it's 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 not even a an issue. Even if he would have went to South Carolina over the, over uh, on Saturday to to watch them play, who was it? Uh, uh, I think it was Charleston Southern or whoever the, whoever they played. I mean, really, did it did it would have really mattered that much? Would it make up for the fact that he spent practically all of June in Chapel Hill. But anyway, I'll get off my soapbox. Um, so basically, <laughs> yeah. when I had spoken to Des last week about whether he was going to visit, he said that he was working on it. He, pr- he, th- he thought he was pretty confident that he would make it, um, but he wasn't 100% sure. And um, what happened was uh, usually Jaden Chalmers' dad takes both Jaden and Des to I guess visits North Carolina and two games and that sort of thing. I think he actually drove them to Charlotte for the for the opener. But um Jaden's dad couldn't make it. So Jaden actually went with a couple other family members and so Des was going to go with his father who I think it was a work issue but I'm not sure but for whatever reason his dad was was late um and they just decided it was just too late to go. Um so there was nothing to it. I anybody who's expecting Des to attend all the home games this season is just <laughs> out of their mind. It's just not going to happen. Um, I think, um, you know, obviously you want him to go to some, some of the key games, but um, 
everything is looking really good for for Des Evans. It really is. Yeah, we'll so leave, let's we'll step back that. and let. Yeah. Yeah, but the Miami game was big. It was a home game at night, Don. Okay, but we need to take a break now. It's been a we, we've waited a little long for this commercial break. I want to talk to you about um, Johnny T-shirt and GiantT-shirt.com. They're our loyal sponsors of the Inside Cutdown podcast. We appreciate their support. So show your support for us by supporting a giant t-shirt right there on Franklin street. Get your stuff before home games. If you're cruising by Chapel Hill, hop on to Franklin street, grab some food and, and go to John t-shirt.com and get a sweatshirt, a hat, t-shirts for the family, all of the above uh, and get ready for late night with Roy in the basketball season as well. It's a locally owned company with a, with a great customer service. And don't forget about the 10% off discount code you can find on you uh, inside Carolina's premium message board. We love GiantT-shirt.com. It's, it's a great partnership we have because they obviously support UNC Athletics and um, have a big part in providing apparel for fans. And that's, of course, we provide content, and, and they, we work together there. So go to GiantT-shirt.com and Johnny T-shirt right there on Franklin Street. Okay, moving on. So we've talked about recruits, uh, reactions to the Miami game. We've talked about Des Evans. We've talked about crowds at UNC and improving the – facility quickly before we get into our top five and our 2012 class revisit i want to talk about sage surratt uh he's have a, having a great career at wake forest he's had two big games already and he is the brother of chas surratt uh unc's linebacker former quarterback and we both covered sage's recruitment and i know he committed i think to harvard first and that he was recruited by unc a little bit He's obviously proven to be a, a really good wide receiver, a big wide receiver, and an athlete. Don, can you tell us kind of what went on with that recruitment where he picked Wake Forest over a place like UNC where his brother was? And obviously, um, they're very close, which I think a lot of people know. Yeah, so um, you know, basically what it came down to, you know, North Carolina, North Carolina offered him, um, but obviously it wasn't committable. Um, and they also kind of, it was like a, a football offer attached wait, with it. Why was it not committable? Well, um, because a lot of offers aren't committable. And so, I know that, but I mean, obviously he's a talented guy, right? I mean, he was. Yeah, totally yeah, weird. yeah. I think that the biggest thing with him was, and the same thing was, was with Chaz and why more people didn't recruit Chaz, although Chaz had plenty of options and obviously his offer with North Carolina was committable, is that they played at a two-way school and they absolutely dominated their, their competition there was definitely some situations where there was padding of stats where, I mean, I was at one game where the game was clearly out of hand, five touchdowns and, and Chaz is playing all the way to the very end. Um, you know, you know, and so the coach there definitely wanted his, one of his guys to, um, to break some records, but because what, what happens when you're trying to recruit guys at smaller schools and you're, and you light them on film because you see the domination is that, you don't know how to – are they dominating them because the competition is weaker? Because I think they only played – You know, uh, the Surratts only played one high school game where there was like a, a legitimate other um, BCS or FBS uh, recruit on, on the other sidelines, and that was against Lincolnton, which had um, Darian Roseboro. But um, besides that, most of their competition just didn't have you know equal talent to them. So how do you kind of – equate or, or compare his film to film of someone else who's playing 4A ball who every week they're playing 4A ball in Charlotte and every week they're playing you know guys who are on their level 
And one of the ways you do that is through camp settings. You have them do different drills. You put a clock on them. And the biggest thing with, with from my understanding, um, the biggest thing with Sage was the UNC did not know how fast he was. Didn't know if he was fast enough. And um, and that's hard to judge when everybody on the field that you're playing against is inferior in talent. So um, Sage did not go to, as far as I know, I know he didn't go to any UNC camps or work out at UNC's camps, didn't go to any of the showcase football camps because he also was a, was a, it was, it was actually a really good basketball player. And a lot of people assumed that was the route he was going to take. And um, so they didn't have a speed on him, didn't, wasn't, weren't able to work him out, didn't know if he could do what was necessary to do. So in, in addition to that, as I mentioned, the basketball stuff, so a lot of people just assumed, okay, or a lot of people on the staff just kind of assumed, okay, he's going basketball. It's not going to really matter. We'll, we'll just kind of let him do, do his thing with that. That class happened to be the class where I can't remember the circumstances, but I remember UNC needed a wide receiver late in the process. They ended up, that wide receiver they ended up getting was Bo Corrales, who's not doing so bad at North Carolina. He's not starting, but he's, he's been contributing um, the past couple of uh, games for sure. Um, but uh, with Chaz, I'm sorry, with Sage, they kind of toyed with him a little bit. Um, not toyed with him. They kind of flirted with him a little bit, kind of, um, you know, talked to, talked things up. Um, they, I don't believe, um, I don't think he ever came on an official visit or anything like that because he was definitely further down the list. And, you know, he just ended up going with Wake Forest. North Carolina went with, uh, with uh, uh, Bo Corrales. Interesting stuff. That's a little explanation there, which which makes sense. Appreciate that, Don. Let me just sum it up real quick. It, so it's two things. One, for the majority of his recruitment, everyone assumed he was going basketball. And two, the, the coaches weren't sure if he if his film was good because he was dominating good competition, or because or dominating bad competition, or or because he was legitimately good, and they wanted to get some sort of speed on him. So that that you know, t- speed time on him, a forty. Your dash. Good stuff. We're going to take another quick break and we'll be right back with more of the Inside Carolina podcast. And we are back and we're going to get into kind of the more clerical stuff of the show. We did this in the last podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. We got some responses about these players. We broke down the 2012 recruiting class. It's kind of fun to look back at, at who UNC took, where they were ranked, and how they performed at UNC based on their rankings. So we're going to do that again. Don and I spent hours of research bringing you <laughs> the information that maybe you forgot all these players and we did google researches and i remember asking don i said don man that's a lot of research he said yeah man I, i've just been googling it and i was like yeah uh no uh of course you're googling it how else would you do it um but that's kind of what you deal with when you work with don callahan um all right don the floor is yours we ended with kedrick davis if you want to go to the 2012 football commits you can you can watch with us the next guy is Terrence Knox. He is a tight end, 6'3", 235 when he committed, ranked as the 688th best prospect in the nation and the thirty-one um, number 31 tight end from Concord, North Carolina. This is your guy. I think he was your guy. Terrence Knox. Okay, hang on. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> okay, so he re- there's not much here. So we're going to go through him. He redshirted in 2012. He didn't play much in 2013, his his redshirt freshman season, and he was not on the roster in 2014. What do you remember about him at all? Anything from his recruitment stood out? Yeah, I mean, I think that the thing was that he was a, U, he was a UNC fan. Everyone kind of assumed 
that's where he would ultimately end up uh, because of just how strong his fandom was. But then I remember him kind of um, really kind of flirting with Louisville, um, playing that up. But uh, he obviously was part of the whole change. And once he committed, and then even with all the whole coaching changes, and even though he kind of confessed to being so strongly in- interested in Louisville, he stuck with his commitment to North Carolina. And then um, I also remember academics were a question mark through much, much of his uh, recruitment, and I'm sure that contributed to things um, during his uh, during his UNC career. Now he was a an 86 on um, on 24 seven sports. Do, do you think we need to go over the the rankings numbers again? Yeah, can you do that? I don't know if I've written down again. I have it. Um, so from from 80 to 83, uh, three-star. These are all three-stars. All Anybody in the, in the 80s is a three-star. 80 to 83, that's a group of five player, maybe a power five backup. 84 to 86 is a power five starter. Um, could be one year, could be a couple of years starter. 87 to 90, now we're starting to talk about guys who are impacting on the, on the power five level. Um, guy who could potentially be a draft pick. Um, and then once we get into the 90s, these are four stars. Now you're talking about guys who are NFL draft picks. Um, and what 24-7 Sports does is the top 32 are considered um, first-round guys because there's 32, 32 NFL teams. So with a guy like Knox, um, I think we just kind of have to give him the, the bus label and not really give him a, a number. For I mean, sure. Is that what we're doing? If you don't, yeah, if you don't play and you can't get your grades up and, and be a – be on the team, you are a bust. Moving on. Nathan Staub, Buford, Georgia, 6'3", 230. Uh, pretty low-ranked kid at number 767 in the nation. Um, and I, he might have started the, the kind of the Buford train to UNC. Nick Polino's from there. Uh, I believe there's a defensive back on the current team. I forget his name. That's also from Buford. Don, his recruitment, and this was your guy, I believe. Yes, it was okay. uh it was definitely my guy for sure. Um <laughs> <laughs> so I actually have to give uh I have to give some credit to to someone else about uh Nathan Staub. The great and powerful Buck Sanders. He actually I'm gonna give him credit for I guess from the media standpoint, discovering Nathan, um, he filled in for me for a camp that I was like deathly sick for. Um, so I couldn't make it. And uh, he filled in with, along with uh, Jim Hawkins, Jim was taking some photos and uh, this guy from Buford comes out of nowhere and just dominates. Um, Buck falls in love with him. And, uh, and yeah, so the rest is kind of history with, with that UNC offered him from that, from that performance. As far as North Carolina is concerned, you know, he um, he appeared in a bunch of games during his uh, redshirt freshman year and his sophomore year, appeared at all the games in the sophomore season, uh, never was a starter, but then injuries just kind of caught up with him and his uh, career ended following his, uh, uh, his sophomore season. Um, so on 24-7 sports, he, 80. you, 85, so what, what do we do with this? 85 uh, power five starter. He was not a starter. So his, he was more of a kind of a lower eighties guy, I would say. Okay. Um, did not live up to the billing. I think he stayed with the program. It's kind of like a student assistant 
Mm -hmm. I know he's pretty close to a lot of the guys from his class. Uh, He's still around the program a lot. Okay, that was Nathan Staub. Moving on, Clint Heaven from Bradenton, Florida. Safety, 6'1", 200. His ranking was an 85, 33. Um, We'll just go with those ranking numbers. This was my guy, Clint Heaven. I I don't think I'd ever remember him. You know, I didn't cover recruiting for this class. He was he redshirted, and then as a redshirt freshman in 2013, he played in five games on special teams, and then he had an injury and redshirted again, and then that was kind of it. He didn't play in 15 or 14 or 15 because of injury. That's it. So pretty uh, pretty low key career. Anything? I don't even remember him as a recruitment or anything. Donnie, quickly on him. Yeah, the thing I remember from him was that he was highly recruited, and then a lot of his options just kind of disappeared. I think he kind of waited out his his options, um, and uh, you know, UNC obviously in the coaching transition was in need of of certain positions, and kind of sort of just fell into um, the new staff's lap. Um, but and I think that they were talking him up to be kind of that that RAM position. Do you remember the RAM position? Oh yeah. So, um, but that safety, obviously safety linebacker yeah. combo. Yeah, yeah, and that obviously never happened. Um, he's listed as 85. Where, where are we going with him? Uh, bust. Bust. Bust completely? Or do you want to go – you don't want to even go in the 80s for him? I mean, he, he played five games. All right, bust. Yeah, I mean, uh, like, yeah. We will go bust right, with him. <laughs> hey, man, if you don't cut it, you don't get any slack on the Don Callahan recruiting podcast. Jesse Rogers, Arlington, Texas. He's a strong side defensive end, 6'5", 245, ranked as an 84, 82. Uh, this was your guy, Don? You know, it was my four. guy, yes. So, um, he, you know, he was there at North Carolina for, uh, for his entire um, college career. Um, and, and just really, he only played in, well, he played in um, 51 games um, and, and really was kind of like a pass rush specialist. Um, I don't have any games down as, as him starting. Um, you know, solid player, more of a backup sort of guy. As far as his recruitment was concerned, you know, I, I don't remember a whole lot other than the fact that, you know, he was from Texas and his mom was very influential and his mom fell in love with North Carolina. And he's another one who um, kind of, you know, weathered the storm of, um, of uh, all the coaching uh, transition and stuck with UNC. So on twenty four seven sports, we have him as an eighty four, which that um, that puts him in a you know uh, power five starter, which he was not. But I would go eighty three with him just because of the fact that um, he he wasn't eighty three, which would be a power five backup. But uh, he was definitely a contributor. Just was never a starter. Never could I guess kind of break into the starting lineup. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's pretty accurate. I mean, he played a lot of games, 12 games as a freshman, 12 games as a sophomore, 13 games as a junior. And then his senior year, I didn't – I mean, I covered this team. I don't. I remember him, but not too much. I don't remember ever interviewing him. Played in all 14 games in 2015 and finished with 30 tackles, one sack, 2.5 tackles for a loss. It seems like he was kind of a maybe a third-down guy, designated pass rusher that got in a lot of games but wasn't a, a, a four-down guy. Um, okay, good. Anything else on Jesse? No, sir. All right. You might have to help me with the pronunciation on this guy. Dan, Dan Mastro. Mastro Mateo. Mastro Mateo. Outside linebacker from New Jersey, 6'2", 220. He's ranked as an 80.84, three-star guy, 8'4". Uh, this was your guy, I believe. No, it was your yeah. guy. My guy? Yeah, sorry. 
We'll cut, we'll cut that. <laughs> uh, he redshirted. His redshirt sophomore season, he was in seven games. 14 as a sophomore, he was special teams guy and appeared in 12 games. Junior season, 14 games. And senior season, he played a little tight end, switching over from linebacker, and was a special teams guy. So he played a little bit on defense, tried his hand at tight end, but was mostly just a special teams guy. Um, I think he's still pretty close to the program as well and close to a lot of guys on that team during that era. Anything else to add on him, his recruitment? Yeah, what I remember from him is that he committed to uh, Butch Davis, and then right when um, Butch Davis was fired, he jumped ship, uh, but that didn't last too long uh, because he um, he recommitted pretty quickly after that. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and so he um, got back in the boat and, and stayed there, obviously. But so he is listed as an 84, uh, which um, which is power five starter, uh, which I think we can agree he was not. Um, where do you think he actually should have been? Um, yeah, you know, group of five player, backup type era, the low 80s. All right, 80, All 81. Right. <laughs> sure. All right, 81. All right, Justin Thomason. From McDonough, Georgia, committed as a strong side defensive end, 6'4", 240. He's ranked at a .8395. I do remember him. He ended up playing a lot of defensive tackle for UNC. This was your guy, Don. Yes, it was my guy. So he um, played in a total of 42 games, including 25 starts. Um, as, as you said, I mean, he eventually grew into a defensive tackle. His... Um, his senior season was was his best season. Played in all fourteen games and started the final twelve. Um, had forty three tackles that season, uh, three point five sacks. Um, with his, as far as his actual recruitment is concerned, I you know I don't remember a whole lot. I remember it, it kind of went the distance, and um, uh, you know, the the coaching staff, um, particularly um, Koning, w- were really high on him. Um, other than that, uh, I mean, it was I don't I just don't remember a whole lot from it. Uh, so, twenty four seven ranks him as an eighty three um, ranking. Um, I yeah, I, I guess that's I don't know. Where do you want to go? I mean, because he did start the senior season and he was a, a um, yeah. contributor. Would you go a little higher than that? Yeah, eighty three, eighty four range. He I think he ended up starting because of an injury to another player. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember who it was. And I can't. Um, but, you know, Robert Dinkins was on that line, Azir Jones on that line, those type of guys. He was a great guy with the media, and he obviously played a lot. I mean, he had 31 tackles as a junior, 22 tackles as a sophomore, 43 tackles and some sacks, tackles for a loss as a senior, Justin Thomason. All right, Malik Simmons from Lehigh Acres, Florida. Safety, recruiters of safety, 5'11", 180. His ranking is .8393. This was your guy, Don. Yes, yes, yes. So. um during his UNC career, he played in 48 games and made 23 starts. Um, mostly was a cornerback, but uh, contributed a lot on special teams. As far as his recruitment is, is concerned, I remember um, him his commitment very vividly because he committed on Halloween. And I said to him, hey, you know, um, while well, I'm doing the, the, the interview after his commitment, I said, hey, you know, um, I figured you'd be out trick-or-treating. And he said, my neighborhood is not the type of neighborhood where you go trick or treating, and that always kind of stuck <laughs> stuck with me. And it's kind of sad, you know. Um, 
but uh, but yeah, I can't remember who else was involved. I'd have to look that back up. But uh, but yeah, committed on, on Halloween on twenty four seven Sports. They have him as an eighty three. Um, he did make twenty three career starts. Is a lot. Where where do you think he should be, number wise? Yeah, I'm trying to remember him. I think, man, I think he gets suspended at some point or something happened. And then he came back, and they needed him because um, I think he did get suspended for something. And he came back and played as a senior and was pretty good because they needed more depth. And he stepped in and was a good player for UNC. I mean, so his ranking was, you said, 83, and he started a good amount of games. So yeah, bumped that up to 84, 85, I guess, power five starter. I'm going uh, 85. when he got him. Yeah, there you go. Um, awesome. Okay, next person as we move along here, John Heck, 6'6", 280, offensive tackle, finished a lot heavier than that, uh, went to the bowl school in Jacksonville, Florida, ranked 83-37. This was my guy, I believe. Right? Yes. Yeah. Now, John Heck, man, he might have been – I think he might have had the best career of anybody on here when you mm-hmm. look at the amount of starts – going through it. Only I compare him to, I mean, Shaquille Rashad or, or Caleb Peterson or Quinshaw Davis. I think Quinshaw Davis and John Heck are your top two guys in this class in terms of just production and amount of time um, starting. John Heck started all 13 games in 2013 as a redshirt freshman, 11 of 13 games in 2014, all 14 games in 15 at right tackle and was all ACC second team and then started 12 games in 2016. He had 50 career starts at UNC and is now an assistant strength and conditioning coach at UNC. His brother is UNC starting left tackle. So UNC has done well with the Heck brothers and Coach Cap's connection there and developing those two players was great. Um, John Heck, yeah, I mean, he was ranked pretty low, 83. Obviously deserves to be ranked a little higher. He didn't even want to go to the NFL. He immediately started working for the Carolina Panthers, kind of like an intern, and then He's into bodybuilding and, and, and strongman competitions. Yeah, he is, is now, massive. Uh, on the staff. He is yeah, massive. he's really he's slimmed. His lower, body, his lower body is slimmed down, and his upper body is just like huge, like huge shoulders, huge arms, huge chest. But he looks very athletic with how he, his legs uh, are, 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 are shaped, I guess. Yeah, if, if you were going to draw like yeah. a cartoon – can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Uh, if you were going to yes. draw, is there a delay? I can hear you fine. Okay. If you were going to draw a cartoon bouncer, this would this John would be look exactly like that. Yeah. So, but um, so, to get to well, his yeah to get to his recruitment, it basically came down to North Carolina or Virginia, and he was really big on academics. And so once he picked North Carolina. He stuck with it. He was one of the ones that committed very early on and never wavered, even through two coaching changes. Um, and you know, and obviously ended up in North Carolina. Yeah, and he, a great UNC career. So he, so I'm assuming he's 83 on 24/7 Sports. I'm assuming that you, um, you want him raised higher. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to find a a consistent starter like that i mean when you do i mean that's huge and obviously when you make nfl draft picks you draft a first second round player you want to be them you want them to be like a seven eight year starter and when you recruit players you want them to be big time starters and that's what he was um, all right how high would so you go i would go 
88-89. Okay. That's cool. Impact That's cool. impact player, power five star. I mean, maybe 87, 88, 87. Good stuff. All right, moving on. Candler Coker from Flowery Branch, Georgia. He is a pro style quarterback, 6'4, 215, and ranked 8330. Uh Candler Coker played. I had him. I had him. Let's see here. He played in two games as a registered freshman. He was moved actually as to the backup position when Bryn Renner went down in 2013. He was a reserve quarterback in 2014. And then he had some injury issues. He had tendonitis in his right elbow and eventually switched to the basketball team and was a walk-on in the 15-16 season, which was a Final Four team and lost to Villanova in the national championship game. And he was a senior in 16-17, the team that won the that championship uh, game against Gonzaga. So we have Candler Coker, a football player, football quarterback, turned basketball player, um, pretty interesting career, and an injury forced him to, to have the opportunity to play two different sports at UNC. What can you tell us about his recruitment? Was he a big-time quarterback recruit? What went on there? Because I don't remember any of his recruitment. Yeah, he not at all. And basically, um, it was a situation where uh, Fedora wanted to add a quarterback to the class. They were chasing James Summers, but you know, there's a lot of var- variables involved with James Summers. One, he was committed to NC State. Two, he had academic issues. Three, no one knew if he was going to be a quarterback in his uh, career, so um, or a quarterback in college. Um, so Coker was the guy they liked. Um, he was kind of sort of um, hidden a little bit because he played in a wing T offense, which meant that he ran or handed off or tossed the ball the majority of, of games, um, but apparently could throw. The staff really liked him. Um, I remember uh, Blake Anderson went down a couple of times to watch him throw during that January. They offered him. He came on an official visit and committed before the end of it. Candler was uh, 83 on 24-7 sports. Um, how are you feeling about that ranking? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I'd say it's a little bit accurate, maybe a little bit below that, 80, 82, 83. He probably could have started a group of five. Uh, definitely was not a power five starter, so you have to go in that 80, 83 range. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, um, I would agree. 80, let's go 82. We'll just drop down just a little bit. Okay, moving on. We have a couple left as we wrap this up. Kendrick Singleton from Florida, Glen St. Mary, Florida, wide receiver, 6'2", 195. He was ranked 83-2-4. He played at UNC. I know I remember him at UNC, covered him, and he proposed to his girlfriend senior year. What do you know about him, and what do you know about his recruitment? All right, so during his UNC career, he played in 40, 49 games, um, made 19 total stars, including 13 as a senior. Uh, I remember during his recruitment, he actually was committed to – Larry Fedora at Southern Miss uh, decommitted and um, and then I think he was committed somewhere else for a little bit and then ended up committing uh, following Larry Fedora to um, to North Carolina. I remember the, the old staff was super high on him, felt like he was underrated, um, that they got a steal out of him. He ended up being a solid guy. His, his ranking on 24-7 sports was 83, I think considering the fact that he – you know, started 19 games. Um, we got to go a little higher than that. How high would you go? Yeah, I'd go right above like the 80, like right at 84. He was a solid player. He, he lacked a little speed and, and was more possession guy, but I'd go 84 with, uh, with Kendrick. Yeah. I think the main thing with him was, was he went back and forth between tight end and wide receiver and they can never figure out which one worked. Yeah. He was big. 
Uh, cool. All right. Damian Washington out of Kannapolis, North Carolina. Recruited as an athlete, six foot, 180, ranked 82 3 1. This is your guy. What can you tell us about him, recruitment, and time at UNC? Well, he mostly played wide receiver at North Carolina, um, played in 49 games um, with two starts. Um, you know, I, most of his games are actually during his, his senior season, uh, appeared in all 14 games of senior season. Uh, really was kind of like a guy who, who, Never really made an impact, but always was was kind of there. Um, even you, you can even see him around the program now. He doesn't do anything with the program, but um, he's always around at different events and everything. As far as his, his recruitment is concerned, this was a guy who Everett Withers absolutely loved, and so one of the first moves as a head coach, um, as soon as he became head coach, was offering Washington a scholarship, and, and Washington um, accepted it. Uh, he had some unbelievable games at Kannapolis Brown from my recollection of his uh, high school career, which kind of feed into the fact that maybe UNC did get this diamond in the rough. Uh, but I, I think the main thing was never at UNC was able to find like a niche for him. He was um, rated as an 82. I don't think there's a whole lot of schools. Uh, actually, I, I know there wasn't a whole lot of schools that were, were on him. What, what do you think about his 82 ranking? Pretty accurate, I'd say, right around that range. He, never, he wasn't a big-time starter, right? No, just two starts, and I think it was more of injury sort of things. Good stuff. Okay, moving on. John Ferranto from New Jersey, Burlington, New Jersey. Offensive tackle, 6'6", 270, ranked 80, 80, 80, three-star guy, um, 137th ranked offensive tackle. I had Ferranto. I remember covering him. Coach Cap liked him because he could play guard and tackle, and it seemed like anytime anybody got injured, Cap would place him in that position. So he became a flex guy for, for Coach Cap and UNC. Played a lot, 10 games in 2013, started all 13 games in 2014 at left tackle. Played in 12 games and made four starts in 15, the, the big Coastal Championship season. And then heading into 2016, he uh, missed the whole season when he tore a pectoral muscle uh, during a preseason workout and is now, oddly, I didn't know this, he's the assistant strength conditioning coach at University of Illinois where uh, Lou Hernandez is. So he followed Lou Hernandez, the former uh, strength conditioning coach at UNC under Fedora, to Illinois. I just remember, uh, like I said, Cap would always put him in different positions. He considered him the sixth starter on the offensive line because of how flexible he was. He had really long hair, uh, and he looked like a Ferranto. <laughs> Okay. Your thoughts on him? Pretty lowly recruited guy, it seems. Yes. So I, what I remember was that um, back when Butch Davis um, and even John Bunny before him, they used to have these three-day camps where um, certain days would have three sessions in one day, a morning, an afternoon, and an evening. And almost always the, the better recruits would leave before the evening session and very few um, new additions would be added for the evening session for whatever reason. Um, and so the evening sessions were kind of just – I would mostly kind of just sit there and talk to the the um, equipment guys and and wait until it ended to make sure nobody showed up. Um, but in this situation with Ferranto is that he actually came to one of those those uh, late night sessions and uh, or late night late evening sessions, um, and the coaching staff just absolutely drooled over him um, just with his, his movement ability, his size, his length, and then also. Um, they loved his ability to um, to long snap, which I don't believe he ever ended up doing for North Carolina. And uh, so offered him, he committed, um, and he was another one that kind of st- stuck it through through all the coaching changes. 
Good stuff. Yeah, uh, eighty, eighty. I would put. I would bump that up. I think uh, in hindsight to kind of an eighty-four range. Power okay. five starter right there in the borderline of of, of backup and, and power five starter. Lastly, Nick Weiler, I believe. I always pronounce it wrong. Six foot one one eight one ninety, unranked, and he's a kicker and famously kicked the game winning field goal to beat Florida State in two thousand sixteen. And did the chop. Long, and did the chop. I mean, it's an awesome GIF, and uh, certainly a guy with long hair as well. Yeah, yeah, you love your your man with long hair. I see. Um, <laughs> so the uh, yeah, obviously, I mean, he really. If you were looking at this list, he he was. He's up there with um, with Heck and um, Quinshot as far as impact guys, and he wasn't really he didn't he didn't sign with North Carolina. He was a, he was a walk on guy, and I actually have some good info on on his situation. But first, you know his UNC career. He's third all time in points at UNC with two hundred and seventy three. In twenty fifteen, he set the UNC single season points record with one hundred twenty seven. He's also fifth at UNC with uh, with forty field goals. I mean, he was a guy who, when UNC had him as a starter, didn't have to worry about field goals. Very, very reliable. Um, ironically, between this podcast and the last podcast, I had someone reach out to me who knows um, Nick very well and actually mentioned that, um, you know, for those who know recruiting, know specialist recruiting, you know, the kickers usually spend their entire summers going to all these camps all over the nation and competing um, and, and really kind of making their name for themselves. And that's how they get recruited is how well they do at these, these camps. Nick couldn't do that because he was a position player at his high school and actually spent his summer playing seven on seven, uh, playing in seven on seven tournaments with his team. So he, um, um, he didn't get the the recognition that he deserved. Uh, surely, if you look at his UNC career for his kicking ability, one of the people who actually kind of took him under, under his under their wing was Bill Renner, who who's Brent Renner's father, who um, trains people in you know in quarterback, also punting and uh, kicking, and really helped Nick um, during the latter stages of his high school career. And I'm sure somewhere along the line, kind of helped him. Um, get to North Carolina. Um, he, you know, as you said, he's, uh, um, he's not ranked, but I mean, I, you got to think he's, he's pretty high up there, right? And in, in 80, 87, 88, 89, something like that. Maybe I think 89. It's so hard with specialists. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was really good his last two seasons at UNC and part of some really good teams. Um, yeah, I'd say right on the borderline impact player, 80, 88, 89 kickers and, and such teams guys are, are, it's weirdly ranked. Okay, good stuff. That was a little long, and I think moving forward, we're going. Well, to we have two more. Year. We have two more guys. Who? We have two guys who never enrolled at UNC. Yeah, I can go so through them real quickly. Okay, James Summers. Talk about them. They never played at UNC. Okay, uh, James Summers and Monty Taylor. I mean, they have very similar paths. They both didn't qualify. Um, with both of them, obviously, I mentioned earlier about James Summers, UNC. Um, you know, Larry Fedora wanted him really bad towards the end, was able to flip him from NC State, um, thought he could be the quarterback. Um, Monty Taylor was a guy that um, that uh, Butch Davis actually really liked. And then the new staff liked him also, even though a lot of other schools did not. Both of those guys didn't qualify out of high school. And they both went to Hargrave, which one of the last classes of Hargrave. Hargrave no longer has a post-grad program. They both couldn't get qualified at um, Hargrave. Um, so they both went to um, – was it Heinz Community College? Oh, I'm sorry. Taylor went to Heinz. 
um, and Summers went to oh they both went to yeah they both went to Hines. Um, Summers eventually transferred to East Carolina, played at East Carolina, played quarterback and running back at East Carolina. Um, actually had a decent career at East Carolina. Taylor had to go to another JUCO, went to um, ASA in uh, New York, and then eventually ended up at UCF uh, and played in six games in 2015. That's the last I heard of him. Good stuff. I'm glad we talked about players that never enrolled at UNC. James Summers uh, was Paige's quarterback in Greensboro. and He was. Led him to a state championship. Championship. Yep, I remember that. All right, good stuff. That's a long. I think next time we won't do this every week. We're gonna we're gonna do it at times when we don't think we have a lot to talk about in terms of recruiting, and I mean, we might break it up into thirds. I think it's just too long, um, as many of you who are still listening have probably realized. But we appreciate you listening to this podcast. We're gonna do the top five next week. We're gonna postpone it again. We go ahead and send us your top five foods you like to eat during tailgating and during football games when you're watching at home. Uh, I guess just kind of foods you like to crush when watching sports anything else you want to add young donald not much just uh looking forward to my my road trip and you watching unc play on friday okay thanks for that thrilling ending we'll see you guys later thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. brought to you by johnny t-shirt.com where to go for your next tar heel gear purchase 